Okay. Hi. Hey. Hey, it's me, Ashley. It's Gara. Um, um, I'm going to tell another story today. Hi. Ooh. So I'm going to tell a story about Astoria, which is one of my favorite towns in Oregon. And so forgive me if I'm really excitable today. Okay. Well, I won't forgive you. It's for Miss also. Okay. Well, it is a short one. I'm not going to lie to you. It's only like two pages of notes. So really? we're going to get through it. Yeah. The last one that I did was like five pages of notes and that felt, you know, just about right. Just about right. Well, to be fair, this was a while ago that I wrote this, but uh, and I was trying to start scaling back a little bit because I feel like mine go way too long because I'm always trying to tell way too much about, like, way too much in the area instead of just focusing on, like, a few things. So this was me trying to scale back. I am going to start this episode, though, with a very special story. Okay. Okay. So we're um, in Astoria. We're in Oregon. I'm yeah. Stoked. Well, on. this is this is a side story. Okay? Oh, okay. My niece found out that I have a spooky podcast, and she is seven, and she is just so stoked about it, which really? I love. Oh my god, she's the best. She's so amazing. And uh, yeah. Really? Sometimes. Um, I have warned her mom that it is somewhat explicit, yeah, but cause... you know what her favorite song right now is? Is um, Unholy. So um. she's all about it. I She doesn't know anything about what it means, so it's great. Uh-huh. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she wrote us this story to tell. Oh, I'm sorry to hear it. How old is she? Seven? She's seven, yeah. Okay. So okay. Tell me the seven-year-old story. Okay, this we is called. Know that like we are so good with kids and stuff. Yeah, right. Well, I I love my nieces and nephews. I'm very much uh, an excitable aunt. aunt. Yeah. I. You make them all the cool stuff. I want to. I make them a lot of stuff yeah. from my my shirt, mostly shirts, all shirts. I make them a bunch of shirts, yeah. and then I'm always bringing them like random gifts mm-hmm. because I think that it's weird to come empty-handed as an aunt. So I don't. <laughs> I, I don't come in right here. There's a reason. <laughs> Give you gifts. That's she why I am here. Because she can't come up to hand it. I'm literally going down there to give them gifts today. That's right. You're going to go see them today. Okay, tell me the seven-year-old okay. story. This is called The Invisible Boy. Oh. There once was a boy named Nikki. One night... Uh, someone broke into the house and put in Nikki's mouth a curse to make him invisible forever, and he got ran over and he died. The end. Wow. I was really on the edge of my seat for the beginning there. Yeah. Someone broke in, um, and then he got a curse in his mouth, and then he got ran over and died. So Nikki had a very bad day. Was he invisible when he died? Did anyone see it happen? Is I don't that think why so. he got ran over? Yeah, probably. <laughs> no. Yeah, he, I mean, she is an amazing storyteller. I am so excited to was, yeah, have her write more stories for us. For, that, for sure. Um, she also gave me a report card for my house when she was over here last. Uh, she gave I you got, a report card. What did she say? Yeah, I got a three. You got a three out of what? Three stars. I don't know. I'm not sure at the scale, but it says, um, so, okay, hold on. Star of the house, the shape and the size, and the dogs, and it is cute and arty. You do have a very cute, arty home, and it is full of dogs. So full of dogs, and yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. I, I needed to have a little knee sprag right now, so that is... That's Dwight. Oh, is it Dwight? That's Dwight. He's messing with the buttons that I got because I really wanted to teach my dogs how to use those buttons that they like oh, stomp right. on. You were telling me this last night. Yeah. yeah, to get words, and they came, and I'm so stoked about it. But me and Phil cannot agree on five words to teach our dogs and cats. Do you think they're actually going to learn them? You know what? I have a lot of faith in a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're talking out of six. Give me a figure here. <laughs> out of the six animals, plus Michael Scott, who lives in the front yard. You do have. <laughs> Are you going to teach Michael Scott, too? 
<laughs> no, Michael Scott is definitely not allowed in the house. Did you know that um, Ashley's a super mega cat lady and that <laughs> she has a specific bush in her front yard? And there was one time a cat that just was sitting under the bush in front of her house, and now it has its own home there. She gave it an umbrella, and she put some hay down, and now Michael Scott is always outside in her bush. To be fair, I have a ton of bird feeders in my yard because that's just what I do. Yeah, And um, also, I know who the owner of what the cat I like to call Michael Scott is like I know I know who it is it has a home it has a home it just but really Ashley's likes my house home away from home yeah, yeah. Uh, I give and she gives it all the treats so much treats <laughs> so that's my life uh yeah, yeah. it's a lot uh okay but to answer your earlier question I think out of the animals in the house um Maya definitely not it's a hard (laughs) no no. um Jetja you know what maybe maybe one or two of them he'll understand because I think he really likes to go outside so I think I know one of them is going to be outside outside so, I think that because he likes the catio so much, he is going to want to use that. Having, okay. Um, I believe in you, but I'm having a really hard time <sighs> picturing you teaching your cats what outside is and how to hit the button. Yeah. Um, <laughs> As I think there should be a button for treats. Yeah, they might. They might. I mean. A button for outside. Definitely. Yep. Do you think... There should be a button for, like, them saying, leave me alone, don't touch me right now. Actually, we were thinking about the opposite, probably attention, because that's more my dog's speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They love it. Because, I mean, it's more, they're, they're more aimed for the dogs. But they have Zivon... personalities, you know? It's like, you need, that's true. you need a whole set of buttons for each one of them. I think... I think we'll just keep it geared more towards the dogs. I think Zevon will definitely pick it up. Yeah, I think Homer right. will be great at the treat button. I think um, he's going to do his darn best. He's just a solid dog at begging for treats. Yeah. yeah. And attention, so he might get that one too. Yeah, but we'll, I'll update you on what five words we choose and if we can ever come to a conclusion on that. And how my animals uh, decide that they're going to take that. Yeah. Yeah. So did you know that we were like (laughs) nine minutes in and we were starting to talk about Astoria? Well, yeah, but we, I gave you another story, like a side story. It's an important one. That was the beginning That needed to be told. That was the beginning of the story, the The story of the invisible boy. Yeah, yeah. The pre story of the story. And invisible boys are a... Okay, it's a weird lead-in, but this story has a lot. Of, <laughs> this story has a lot of ghosts in it, so it kind of, you know, invisible boy. So, Astoria is my favorite town in Oregon. I love it. It's right on the coast. You go over this giant bridge. It has some awesome food, cutest little um, like farmers market, and it takes up like several blocks. And in the summertime. Yeah. Yeah, in the summertime, it's perfect weather. Beautiful. It is just a wonderful little town, and I cannot recommend it enough to go there. Aside from all the ghostly encounters, like, it is just a cool little town. So I was more than happy to do some research on it when I found out that it was hecka haunted. It is actually, like, one of the most haunted places, apparently, in the state. What? For why? So, for why? Um, because there's a lot of things that happen there. So I'm gonna start with the uh, shortest of the the encounters, which is the Uptown Firefighters Museum. Ooh, it was okay. built in 1895 as the Northern Pacific Brewing Company, uh-huh. and it operated as a brewery up until Prohibition. Okay. The building then housed the Far West Milk Company, so, so it changed over to milk. 
Okay. Yeah, and then that went out of business. Sure. And then in 1928, the building was converted to a fire station, and that operated all the way up until 1960. So that did pretty well there. Oh, absolutely. And so that was like, okay, so 1885 was the brewing company, and then like... Prohibition was in, like, the 20s. Yeah. And then, like, the milk company only operated for a little bit. So it was from the 20... Or it was 28 till 1960 that it was, like, a fire station. Okay. So that's that's a really decent amount of time considering, like, the amount of... It had hopped around before that. Um, now, Astoria burned down, shocker, What? once in 1883, and then again in 1922. Okay, so, so double fire. Yes, double fire. Absolutely. So, this building is said to have a lot of spirits of, like, old firefighters who were super on edge because they never wanted to sleep and sleep through another big fire. Because, hmm. like, 1922 was the last big one, and then this opened in 1928. So okay. a lot of the town people had been there when it had burned down. So, like, the whole town burned down? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, like... The main buildings area. Okay. So it was like, like there, there were houses on the hills around it because um, Astoria is basically uphill. Okay. <laughs> like, like it's uh, sea level and then it's just like, boop, right uphill. Right up um, that's, and it kind of, yeah, basically. So I think like in the main town square is more near the water. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of go up the hill for the houses and stuff. And so that was, that was still the layout in, in that, in that time. Got it. Um, but, and then this was like, like I said, this was the second major fire too. So did they recover from like the first one or not? Yeah, they did. They rebuilt. Because this was a really awesome location for shipping. Mm -hmm. So it was going to be a town no matter what. And it's an awesome location, like, because it's pretty much right over the border. It's the first town in Oregon from Washington. Okay. Just right there. So... Basically, they there's just, like, a lot of accounts to spirits not being able to rest. And they sleepwalk, um, keeping an eye on the town, you know, for the third fire. So, in this building, there's been Aww. firefighters that just kind of, like, walk back and forth. There's also... That's nice. Yeah. There's also a report of a ghost... Um, sighting from a fireman who slid down the pole and actually fell and died um in the 1920s yeah he just went for it in the first day yeah in the late 1920s that or the late like so right after it opened basically that happened so kind of sucked yeah so it was it was a new building maybe it had a sliver it wasn't like a sliver yeah i don't know on the pole maybe like it had a chip in the paint so it paint slivered him i don't know maybe you know, yeah. it was new. I don't know. Um, or the pole wasn't screwed in tight enough. I don't know. Maybe, or maybe he wasn't used to the whole location, so he just tripped right he down just, in there. He got got, you know. Yeah. Today it operates as a museum, so oh, you can cool. go there and like you can see a bunch of the town history, oh. and it's really cool. Have you been in there? I haven't, because I've been in a lot of the other um, of the other museums, mostly the Maritime Museum, because I love that place so much. Okay. It has like huge boats in there. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm a really big Astoria fan because I I worked on a cruise ship that docked there once oh. a week. So, (laughs) I went there a lot. Um, And then, so the next, like, haunted place that we'll talk about is actually the Flavel House. Flavel House? I think it's Flavel. Flavel, yeah. Flavel. So, there's actually two houses associated with this family. Um, the first one was constructed in 1901 for Captain George Conrad Flavel. The Flavel family 
was a prominent family in Astoria due to the contributions to the community. So okay. he was like a BA captain. Um, he helped guide ships through the like narrow channel from Astoria because okay. that was like from like Astoria up. I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit later when I talk about like that um, the shipwrecks. Okay. But that area was a huge shipwreck area because it was very dangerous and the tide was really strong. So he would guide boats out through the channel into the lake, into the shipping area with, um, with a tinier boat. Like they're like little guide boats. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. And then he also, so you have a guide boat that like rides next to you like or whatever it is drives next to you and then they basically have a captain come aboard who knows the area like that's his port and that's what he like does for his whole life okay so he comes aboard to the big ship and goes up into the um like bow and he yeah and he like drives the boat through the channel gotcha he's a main character Well, that's what, yeah, that's what they do. And they still do that because, like, they do that um, in really dangerous areas. So, yeah, when the captain passed away, his son, Harry M. Flavel, or Flavel, and his family inherited the house. Okay. Harry's son was said to be pretty unbalanced. Oh. Like, he was kind of um, a wonky guy. When... So, he was named Harry Sherman, but they just basically called him Junior. Was 20. Mm -hmm. Um, He locked his mother in a room and attacked the responding neighbor with a hatchet. Why did he do that? Um, He was like, his mother and him were fighting. They were really notorious for arguing. They had really knockout like drag out so fights. her husband died yeah and then his son took over the house and then yeah his mom did not get along well no i mean like this was um so her the captain was his grandpa oh the captain was his grandpa okay yeah so um and then his son was harry and then harry was um like This was Harry Jr. And so the dad, like, wasn't there at the time. Oh, I see. And he was fighting with his mom. And so he basically locked her into a room and she was, like, screaming to get out and screaming, like, throughout the whole neighborhood for help. And so a neighbor came up and he went after him with a hatchet. Dang. So then, like, did he get arrested? See um, yes, but it also, it also earned him the nickname of Hatchet Harry. Ew, I hate that. Yeah, so he did get arrested. Okay, I'll say that. Okay. But Florence, being the, like, loving mother that she is, stood up mm-hmm. for her son and claimed that he wasn't a danger to the community, and it was really the neighbor. He came, and he was drunk, and he attacked her son. So, he was just, like, defending himself with the hatchet. That's what happened. Okay. So, all the charges were dropped. Is that true, though? Um, I mean, like, it's basically their word against the neighbor's word, which a lot of people in the area believe the neighbor. Because, also, um, so gunshots at one point could be heard from coming in, or from... Ugh, sorry. Gunshots could be heard coming from inside the house at one point. Okay. Mary, um, Harry's sister, had the cops called on her because she refused to leave gatherings at other people's houses. She was some badass kids. Yeah, they're just, like, kind of crazy. Yeah. So, Harry was also, this is also why I believe it, because he also locked his sister and his mother, Mary and Florence, out of the house on cold nights and sprayed them with garden hoses. I've heard a story about this, kind of, I think. Yeah, and then something similar. Yeah, probably you probably heard about Hatchet Harry because he's kind of he's a crazy guy. So Mm -hmm. then, 
he was eventually uh, charged with assault and did go to jail because one day in 1983, mm-hmm. Harry's neighbor sped past him mm-hmm. and he was walking his dogs and the dog was on a dog chain and he like came too close to the dog. Okay. So, um, like, or the dog got, I'm sorry, the dog got out. And so he was like almost ready to retrieve him with a dog chain, Mm -hmm. but the neighbor sped past. The neighbor didn't hit the dog, but he was like, you might have hit my dog. And so he hit the car that the dryer, the neighbor, Alec, was driving. His name was Alec Josephson. Oh, so he hit it with the dog's chain. And so Alec was like, F that. And he stopped the car and started chasing Harry. Oh. And was like, F you, Harry. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. F you, Harry. F you, Harry. <laughs> Harry instead responded by violently stabbing Alec. He stabbed him? He just stabbed the shit out of him. He was charged with assault, and Alec, or but Alec Josephson did live. So like he, he yeah, I, I think so. Have to, but like Harry went to jail for just a little bit, like not that long, because he was he was also still like a rich, prominent member of the the town like that's that's the thing is like they still had a shit ton of money because of his grandpa and then his dad his dad was like a successful guy too Mm. so he was actually only sentenced to probation Mm. (laughs) but because of like all the craziness surrounding their family they were like done with everything and they didn't also have any more money because of all the legal charges that they had going on so they like abandoned their mansion in 1990 wow and the house sat vacant for decades until the county was able to go in and do work on the property okay and they found that the Flavel house was like a hoarder house Oh. And it was, like, full of garbage Ew. and clutter from the past hundred years. Oh. <laughs> like, a hundred years of garbage. No. And stuff was everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so, like, Ugh. and, like, that's the thing, is that the, the first house that his grandpa built was, like, right on the water, and it was absolutely beautiful, and that was, like, said to be his like dream home and so his spirit is said to still be there like there there's still sightings but it's said that like none of the family ever really like their souls never really left this other house that their grandpa built they had two different houses yeah because like he the main guy in it and then the other house has all the crazy people trapped in it it was his, like, family, because he had his son, Harry, and yeah. then his son, Harry, like, yeah. yeah, Harry, um, and, well, Harry had Harry Jr., yeah. like, so this was Harry's son and his daughter and his wife, and they right. were all just, like, a crazy nut job family, but when George, uh, when the captain had his family, he decided to build a bigger house, uh, so that's where this house came in, and then gotcha. he, like, passed it down to his family once he died. Wow. So, it was kind of, like, oh, a weird situation, but, like, so, these houses, like, both of them, the Flavel House, or the Flavel Houses, are supposed to be, like, just wonky. So, um, just wonky energy. Yeah. In 2015, though, the Flavel House was officially restored, because it is a huge house in, like, a beautiful location. Yeah, and, um. I'm gonna Google pictures of it. Right. It it is beautiful. Um, Harry died in 2010, and his sister, Mary Louise, refused to pay for his burial. So his body just stayed in the mortuary uh, for nine months until Harry? he was just... Yeah. What? And her brother, she was just like, I am not paying for that. So he just sat in Portland... It's his fault. He for nine months, yeah. right? And then, and then he was a very eventually 
um, buried in Portland through an indigenous bear or indigenous, indigent, indigent, okay, yeah, uh, burial fund. Even wow. though his family was like at one time like the most prominent family in Astoria, he was like buried as a vagrant in Portland well, because his sister like was he just was like a fucking troublemaker, dude. Yeah, that he was a dick. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but he like. At a certain point when his family was grown, Captain Flavelle did move back to that other house. So, mm-hmm. like, that is why he said to linger there. He but, said like, this, this family. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, this family has later. This, this house has chaos energy. I'm going to just yeah, go ahead and move this out. It's a bunch of hoarders. So, like, and no. it still has chaos energy. Like, even though it's all restored and everything, like, there's just still some some voodoo. I did Google like, images, and that is a really pretty house, but it does have some wonky energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A so, structure, but its energy is fucking wonky. Yeah. And, like, what is even more crazy is that they, they lived in these gorgeous, giant houses that are probably the biggest in the town. And they're having these public spectacles of, like, attacking neighbors in the streets because of dogs with chains, stabbing them, like, abusing your sister and your mom in their yard. Yeah. Like, like, they're just having these crazy... I don't like this. Cra- what what was going on in that house? I would, like I would almost, Ill. yeah, definitely. I would almost love to just like find out more, but you can't really find a lot about the family because oh, it was so. I think once they like kind of disappeared, because after after his arrest for the stabbing, they were gonna take him to jail. But, um, like, because he was on probation, and I'm sure he was doing some shit, and so they didn't want him to, like, actually go in, so they just, like, fled. He was still on probation. No, not at all. No? He was just, like, a rich child that his parents took care of. Gotcha. And I think, I mean, like, in somewhere in there, Harry, like, Senior did die, Mm -hmm. so it was just the mom, and I think she kind of, like, coddled the kids, and they just turned out, like, crazy as shit terrible and i mean but even mary like mary was no saint either she was like like i said getting arrested because she would just show up at the neighbors like parties and and she wasn't invited and they did not want her there and she would not leave she sounds like a crazy lady so it sounds like everybody was crazy in that family and it left crazy energy in the house so is everybody dead from the family now uh yeah yeah, none of them like lived on. <laughs> so the town buried, actually owns most of the houses. As, like, you know, a nuisance. No. No, um, I mean like, Mary Louise had all the money that her her mom left her. Uh huh. So um, I think she just withheld it from her brother. Okay. <coughs> Sorry. That's all right. So I think she just withheld it from her brother and her mom had like, they had like a big burial for their mom because I think that it was like a weird family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Sounds like the mom and the daughter got along better than like the son. Oh, definitely. Mom. And I mean, like, it sounds like they were all pretty codependent at a certain, because yeah. like they all kind of lived that together and like, and they sure. all stayed together. You know, it wasn't, yeah. none of them left. Wild. So, I will tell you a little bit now about uh, uh, Flavelle and the boat crashes, and then I'll save um, something for last. Sounds good. So, um, the General Warren is said to still remain in the, like, shore of Astoria. You can still see the General Warren, even though it was pulled to bits. That was January. Yes, that is the boat's name, the General Warren. Gotcha. <clears throat> so, on January 31st, 1852, a small boat of 10 men launched to seek help um, because the General Warren had struck the Clats of Spit. 
So the Clatsop's Pit was really dangerous. It like stuck way out there. It was so a sand. Like a ba- it's a sand bank. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, but it's like not um, on the shore. Like it's not against land. Okay. So it's a sand bank that's further out in sure. the water, so you yeah. can't just like abandon ship and walk in. Yeah. You have to have help getting out because there wasn't enough boats. Gotcha. Um, so the General Warren had struck the cap- class of spit. Captain Beard. Sorry. It's okay. Mm, Captain Beard of the steamer, the George and the Mar- the George and the Martha. Ugh. Hold on. Sorry. The George and Martha sent his crew to assist. So, um, Captain Beard was the guy who sent his. Like, all of his crew to go and see if they can find anybody to rescue. When they got to the site, they found no remnants of a wreck. It had completely disappeared. Like, the whole boat? Yes. Like, how quickly were they getting down there? I mean, this was a span of, like, a couple hours, probably. Dang. Like, yeah, I guess. 42 passengers had perished. Prior to the sailing, the ship had also been already found to be unseaworthy. Really? Yes. Captain George Flavel got them past... Captain George Flavel. Uh-huh. <laughs> he got them past the Astoria Bar, and then he returned the control back to Captain Thompson and left the boat by pilot boat. Mm-hmm. Um. But after they had passed Astoria, they were confronted by a storm. Oh. Captain Tom, or Captain Thompson decided to, or I'm sorry, Captain Thomas had decided that he was going to return to Astoria and signaled for a pilot boat. Uh-huh. Um, Flavel recommended against returning into the Columbia so late in the day because there was, like, really dangerous conditions. And so he... Wanted them to just, like, stay out in the shore or, like, stay out in the water mm-hmm. far enough that night and then be brought in in the morning. Okay. Um, but the passengers urged the captain, so he agreed to guide them back to Astoria. The ship then had begun leaking, and the unbagged wheat that they had on the boat took on water and began clogging the pumps. So it was, like, on the floor of the boat, Mm -hmm. and it was, like, taking in water and then washing into the pumps, and so the pumps weren't working, and so it wasn't getting the water out of the boat. Gotcha. What time is this? This is, like, in the middle of the night. Okay. What year was this? 1852. Dang. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, um, at this point, Flavel had advised to anchoring in the channel. Mm-hmm. He was like, hey, you guys, you really need to just, like, stay this one hey, out. Just, hey guys, just calm just down. Your breaks. Just, like, you're going to be fine where you are. Yes. Gotcha. But Captain Thompson was like, nah, I know better than you, and he ordered the vessel to be beached immediately, once over the bar. So he was like, nah, steer this bitch into the beach. Bitch, we're going in. Right. Um, Not knowing that the ship was super fragile, Mm. like, it was ready to fall apart. Oh, no. (laughs) Which is, like... Was it a wooden ship? It must have been a wooden ship, right? Um, probably, yeah, probably at that point, yeah. Yeah. But, like, I mean, but like I said, it was already found to, like, not be cool to be on the water anymore. They were done with it. Yeah, okay. So, Flavel headed to the General Warren for the... Or he, like, headed the General Warren for the nearby Clatsop Spit. So he was like, okay, everybody, like, follow me. We're going to go to this spit. So they managed to beach the ship at 7 o'clock, but it was dark and the crew couldn't reach the shore. Oh, my God. So after two hours, the rough sea... So, like, they were... 
they were close and they could see the shore, but they can't reach it because of how dangerous the conditions were. Gotcha. So this is why he said not to come in on the first place. Mm-hmm. And this is why he said to stay out there. But they were like, no, we need to get in. Like, the passengers want to get off this boat. Yeah. We have to, like, like steer us in. And he was like, I mean, like, I'll get you as close as I can. But, you know. Mm-hmm. So he also did wasn't aware of the conditions of the boat, you know. Mm-hmm. So... This was just sitting in the channel. Like, they were sitting in the channel right there along the beach. They just couldn't get in. And so the rough waves just tore apart this boat. Oh, my gosh. Which shows you how fragile it absolutely was. So I don't like boats, dude. I don't like boats. boats. I know you love boats. I hate boats. (laughs) So at this point... The rough seas tore off the back part of the ship and just washed it away. And with it, two of the lifeboats went away, too. Two of the lifeboats, too. And remember, there's, like, at least 44 people. It was really disputed how many people were on board because at that point there was, like, a lot of stowaway situations. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, um, and, like, people who just, like, paid cash to get on the boat, like, here's here's a couple of... Exactly. So they, like, marked how many people, but it also was said to, like, kind of be a range. Full number, yeah. Yeah. Um, So. And then by the time they got down there, the whole boat was just gone. Yeah. So at that point, Captain Thomas ordered everyone to go to the front of the ship. He's like, muster at the front of the ship, you know? Mm -hmm. And then... uh, about three in the morning, the front of the ship start. Or three in the morning, the front of the ship just completely started to deteriorate. To deteriorate. Yeah, just getting so. Which also, this was a bad call as well because um, Captain Thomas didn't like send anybody to go get help, to go get help. until around three a.m. Until this started Even to happen, his boat was literally falling apart. Yes. So, like, right after the front of the ship started to to deteriorate, he sent Flavel and nine oarsmen with a remaining lifeboat to go get help in Astoria. Uh So, like, he was ordering everybody to stay on the ship, including Flavel, and he had been telling them the whole time, like, we need to not do this stuff. And so, but, like, you know, you have to go with the captain who's... Mm -hmm like in charge and it's kind of confusing because there's the captain thomas and captain thompson yeah but captain thomas was the general warren he was the one who was in charge of that and he was completely blowing it because at the point that the back of the freaking ship blows off you should have been sending nine oarsmen to go at that point because that was gone dude exactly well and that was um at around like maybe he just thought it wasn't worth saving he's like "Eh." well no because that was around um 9 p.m that the back of the ship went off and so everybody was in the front stay like afloat without the back of it that's the thing is why wasn't he sending help at that time he didn't send help till around 2 a.m when the front of the ship started to fall apart and so by that point, you know, it doesn't matter how fast you can row, you're still rowing. And it was so it was nine was still happening too. Yeah. Yeah. It was ten people. And so they took the remaining lifeboat into Astoria and they returned oh like and it was only two hours later. They returned at five AM. Jesus. But the ship had already broken away, and they took away more than, or, and it took away more than thirty passengers and crew, including Captain Thomas. Dang. So two years later, the stern of the shore washed ashore on a beach sixty miles north. Oh my god! And only of all of those passengers, only two of the bodies were retrieved. That's and so like, many dead people at sea. Oh my god! Yes, and. I don't even know, I don't even know if this is true, but, like, you know, it could be just to kind of zhuzh up the story. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, really, really add a little oomph is they were said to, like, be found holding hands. I don't, like I said, I don't know if I really buy that because that's, like, too convenient. That sounds like a very spooky detail, though. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to say maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Um, And some just. That'd be cute. Yeah, and just <laughs> just to tell you about how dangerous that area is, they do. Um, 
Over 2,000 ships have sank in Astoria since 1792. 2,000? Yeah, an estimated... Then why did they decide that this was, like, the best destination, dude? I have no idea. And over 700 people have died in that area. So it is a very haunted area. There's always said to be ships in the like the mist that are not there. Um, there's said to be like tons of bodies and even treasure in this area, what? but it's like far too dangerous to even try to like root around on the bottom. Oh my god! The area from like the Tillamook Bay, which is a little bit more south. It's or it's probably about halfway down. The like coast, the Tillamook Bay area. I've been to Tillamook. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cheese. And yeah, really it's it's a really wonderful stinky. cheese area. Yeah. Absolutely, um, and ice cream. Mm, um, yep. The dairy is just top notch and jerky. Top notch and Tillamook for sure. Go. Yes. So, um, <laughs> so from that bay, the Tillamook Bay, all the way up to Cape Scott Provincial Park, which is in the BC, uh, the British Columbials, mm-hmm. um, it's just super notorious for having constant shipwrecks um, and just like being a whole series of body body burial areas. Well, it sounds so. like they're just losing them, like, left and right. Oh, yeah, just left and right. It is, like, a lot different now because now, like, they have radar and sonar and all that stuff where they can read the bottom and see where the sandbars oh, and everything goodness. is. But, I mean, back then you obviously could not see where the sound, sound ugh, the sandbars were well, then that's other like, than knowing them. It just goes to show, like, how smart, like, that one main guy is. Oh, yeah, and that's how he got so much money. He was, like, the best-paid person in the town because he had that special skill. That's amazing. And so, yeah, and, like, he taught his son to do it, and so, like, they were just, like, the BAs of the water. And they could basically get away with anything in the town because they, like... Yeah, they were essential. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it also, like, is interesting that, yeah, this guy just was like, no, I'm not listening to you, even though you know exactly what you're doing. And, yeah, so it sucked. But, so, yeah, that's supposed to be, like, you're supposed to be able to see that ship in the mist all the time. Just, like... Waiting for somebody to come rescue. No, I haven't. I didn't really know to look, and, um, yeah. Now I know. Now I'm picturing, like, that episode of Spongebob with, like, (laughs) you know, the ghost ship. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, what is it? The Flying Dutchman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. I love Spongebob. I do, too. It's so good. So, I have one more thing to tell you about Astoria that is very spooky and haunted. And I will say that these also exist in Portland, but the ones in Astoria, um, they have a lot more, like, gritty history to them. Okay. So, one second. So, this is about the tunnels of Astoria. Okay. Um, do you know the term Shanghaiing? Um, no, but I, oh my God, when I was doing research, like, the other day, or like last night when I started to do research, and, <laughs> um, I saw something about Shanghai tunnels come up, but I didn't watch it. Yes, this is about the Shanghai tunnels. Oh my God, okay, tell me about it, because I was so curious. So. They, like I said, they also do exist in, um, in Portland, but this is actually said to be, like, where, where they were kind of established, and, um, okay, let me just get right into it. Tunnels. The tunnels. After the fire of 1922, Uh the city rebuilt, but they rebuilt 15 feet higher Okay. So it's kind of like Seattle, you know, yeah, where they, they kind of just like paved over it and they started also again. Had to restart from a fire and then yeah. they started like, whoa, 12 is feet it, higher. Yeah. Yes, that is exactly what this is. Okay. But it created a whole underground system underneath. Right. So, like, they didn't close it off either. And a lot of the areas were still intact. 
So, because the fire, like, demolished the town, but there were still, like, structures that existed that weren't touched or, Mm -hmm. like, were on the outskirts, and so they weren't burned as much. But these tunnels, like, also, all this town still led to the water. So they still led to the water with these tunnels, and they had to have grates over them, you know. Uh So, um... This created the underground alleys, streets, rooms, and expanded tunnels. So people actually, like, set up shop down there. And they, like, lived down there. Like, just, uh, like, boat people. Because this was, like, a shipping port. So it brought in a lot of transient people that were coming in and out of the towns. And as, like, we've kind of talked about in Washington. What? Like, they're just living in the underground? Absolutely. Well, and this was, like, this was a pretty acceptable way to get to the boats. Like, to get from the town to the boats. Like, it had a purpose. Yeah, it it did have a purpose. Yeah. So, and, like, I mean, we've talked about this before in Washington, like, kind of around Billy's Bar, about how sailors were kind of, like, they were pretty gritty. Some of them might have, may or may not have been criminals wanted in other areas. They kind of just, like you know, picked up and went to different places and they may or may not have kept the same name. Yeah. So, like, this is the type of people who would set up shop down there. And so, also, Astoria was, like, it did not have a good, like, um, reputation at all in that time. So it was said to be a pretty gritty city where, like, it was full of sin and there was a lot of stuff going on there that, like... Like on the savory, yeah. yeah, savory people were not okay with. Yeah. Between eighteen and fifty, or between eighteen fifty and nineteen forty, mm-hmm. men were kidnapped to serve on ships. This was referred to as Shanghaiing. Okay. Now, there were certain people who were like professional kidnappers for this purpose. Mm-hmm. So, Joseph Bunko Kelly was one of them. He was well known for kidnapping many men and women throughout the late 19th century. Kidnapping is just so gross, dude. Oh, yeah. No, totally. So, the Flying Prince once asked him to supply 22 men. So... While searching, he noticed a trap door open on the sidewalk that was used for deliveries at the time. So, like, they would uh, bring the goods through the tunnels, like, just walking it, and then um, they would just, like, pass it up through the tunnel. Gotcha. Okay. Um, So, Kelly had walked in on an unsuccessful burglary. Oh. 24 men are said to have broken to what they thought was a saloon, but it ended up being, like, an undertaker shop. And when they discovered, or when they were, like, discovered by Joseph, 10 of them were, like, dead because they were, they had found a keg, and they thought, since it was, or since they thought it was a saloon, they tried to drink from it, and it was actually embalming fluid. So he found, like, a bunch of dead men, and then he found, like, the rest of them were alive. Exactly. Well, and they were trying to just, like, break in, you know, because it was closed. Um, So he brought those 14 survivors and the 10 corpses and collected the money for 24 workers and left. Oh, my God. Because basically what would happen um, in order to get these people onto the boats is they would knock them out. They would knock out these people, bring them down in the tunnels, put them on the boats, the boat would leave, and this person woke up on the boat and now works on the boat. Now they're just a slave on the boat. Yes. Oh my god, that's terrible, dude. But they, like, some of them just, like, didn't wake up. So he collected the money and didn't. So they were not discovered to be deceased until they were already heading down the Columbia. But eventually, Kelly was arrested for a murder because, obviously, he was a bad dude. Mm -hmm. And he was sent to prison where basically every claim he made was questioned. So everybody was like, hmm, that sounds like a crazy far-fetched story. I doubt you did that. Yeah. But a lot of, but, like, he had this reputation in multiple towns for being, like, a big ol', 
a big old swindler and a Shanghaier. So. Wow. Yeah. But there was also this guy, Jim Turk, who also um, was said to have brought the practice from Oregon. Or, like, brought the practice to Oregon. From where? Um, so he, I think from California, maybe. Just kidnapping people in California. Yeah, I can't remember exactly where he was from. But he, like, opened up a boarding house. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, this is kind of like the Billy's Bar. This is exactly like this guy, Billy. Billy, he, like. Because we never released that episode. I decided I didn't like it. But we did a whole episode where we talked about Billy's Bar. (laughs) Oh yeah, so we keep refer- <laughs> like referencing it, but like we'll never actually release it. I like, completely maybe forgot point, that yeah. we didn't release it. We oh my gosh! Well, okay. There's a place in Washington that um, is called Billy's Bar, and the the guy who was a bartender was a notorious uh, like kidnapper. Seriously. So yeah, yeah exactly. this this also happened in Washington, and this is probably where it came from. Yep, so that's just filling but, in that gap. But, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> keep referencing it and like... Oh my god, I feel so bad it. now. Oh, I feel terrible. Oh, that's okay. That's our fault. That's actually our fault. fault. But yeah, continue, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Jim Turk, he was said to like have a boarding house where he and his sons would like kidnap the occupants. They would come in and rent a room and they'd be like... Hey, so you got no family? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know this name. Oh, cool beans. Let me take you to this area where you're going to go to sleep now. Forever. And then they would wake up on a boat. Oh, my gosh. That's terrible. Yes. <laughs> and they would now be working on that boat. Sailors, man. Shady. And that's, like, Shady that's another sailors. thing is it would be like, okay, you have an opportunity to get off in this other town, but you don't know anybody, and now you have to, like, start over in a new yeah, town. You have to start over. You're like, how the fuck did I get here, even? Oh, Maya. Oh, Maya. Oh, Maya. One second. It's okay. We're almost done. We're almost done. Maya. She can't hear me. Maya! That's just not enough, please. Randy keeps, like, making stops on the way home so he went to the storage unit oh so he's home. going to the store and i'm just like dude i have to walk these dogs like did you come do it <laughs> the notice of this house look at this he's home he didn't he's tell home. me maya told you right okay let's just finish this real quick let's finish okay. this up yeah because this is my last story so um okay god damn it so Turk was active in the late 1800s, and he was just, like, a huge scumbag anyways. Like, he was also a slumlord, an abusive husband, a crimper, whatever that means, a warehouse... Oh, no, I almost said a warehouse operator, and it actually says a whorehouse operator. (laughs) It's a warehouse operator. You know, scumbag... Operating those warehouses. No, he was he was a pimp. He was operating a whorehouse. Gotcha. Okay. And he, on top of it all, all of those goddamn things, he was a dishonest clothing salesman. (laughs) What? He was. He sold shitty made products. You know. So, this is kind of weird, but I kind of love a criminal that is just, like, 100% a criminal. Is that bad? No, like, I mean, I love like... love a commitment to yourself as, like, a really shitty person. Like, everything you do just oozes shit bag. Everything it's so nice. Awful. Like, that is just commitment, and it's, like, it's Absolutely. shit fucked up, but, like, I'm 100% on board. It's just like I mean, like they they have no other direction other than they the are worst. Only bad. Like I love to see it. I, yeah, it, I mean, like that's the thing. It's like not. 
after all this, you're abusing your wife, uh-huh. your terrible landlord, you, yep. like, have awful conditions, yep. you're legitimately kidnapping your oc- occupants, yep. and you're selling clothes? And you're a bad Dishonestly? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um... <laughs> Jim was the also the equivalent of a millionaire, and nobody knows where his money came from. Was it from selling people? Probably, yeah. Yeah, and they only, sometimes. yeah, they only really knew that he had a lot of it. So that's another thing is that like he was said to just be a swindler for the fun of it because he had all of this money. He didn't need to sell clothes. He didn't. Or like he didn't need to sell shitty stuff. clothes. He, he didn't need to bored. do that. He just wanted to. Yeah. He's a criminal. So <laughs> So that is the story of the tunnels. There's a story of Astoria. <laughs> like it was it's, like I said, it's just, like, one of my favorite places. I love it so much. and So, you know, I think I have been there, but I don't actually remember it. And I don't actually remember exploring the town much, so. It is, it's really cool. It sounds really like, spooky with the ghost ships and stuff. Yeah, I, I mean. see me a ghost ship in my life. Not only that, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna also plug this place because it is literally my favorite fish and chips that I've ever had. And I'm sure everybody's figured out now that we are from Washington. So like we know fish and chips because it's a we whole thing here. Chips, yep. But remember Ivers? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's like every old this, person's dream. It's just fish and yes, chips. It's like this what they always fi- want to eat. Oh my God. I mean, I love fish and, and chips too. Exactly, I'm not going to lie like to you. You and I are exactly 80 years old. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely we know 80. what we're talking about with the fish yes. and chips. Yes. We get So it. this is the best fish and chips I have ever had in my entire life. And I have driven many a times the three plus hours each way to just go and eat these fish and chips. Can we go there? Like, why didn't 100%. we go there when we went to the ocean? Because it was yucky outside. Remember the conditions? That's true. But, like, we were fixing for a snack. Remember that? We weren't, like, the same ocean area either. Okay, okay. That would have been, like, a couple hours away. Well, we were already running behind on time. Truth. So, yeah. I mean, that is, that is Astoria. And it is, like, it's just, like I said, the coolest little place. It's called the Bow Picker. It is literally, all they have at this place is a three-piece or a five-piece fish and chips basket. You can get, like, a side of sauce and ketchup and you can also get a beverage that is what you can get at this restaurant and it is outside and you know i don't actually i do think they might have coleslaw i like a good but i like a good coleslaw too but you stand in this long line because it's always busy Mm -hmm. and you just say a three or a five piece that is your options and then you take it and then you find somewhere in the town to sit and eat because they also do not have seating because that's not what they're about that's either not what they're about okay and it's just this like it's open little area with these fryers in it and it's the shape of a cute little boat and i love it so much and i cannot tell you how many good things about it but i would like to go there i would to love to take you it's called the bow picker the bow picker yeah, B O W P I C K E R. Bow picker. Okay, well, you heard it here. You heard it here. Ashley, 80 year old Ashley approves. Good 100%. Chip. The best of her life. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's the story of Astoria, and I just love it. I think that it's going to be so fun to, like, you know, get into. Like, road trip. Oh, yeah, because we have Cannon Beach coming up. Um, Cannon Beach, yes, and there's actually like a lot of places along the coast that are just kind of like spooky. Spooky. So, and I love the Oregon coast. The Oregon coast is beautiful. So gorge. So gorge. So gorge. Love it. So love it. (laughs) All right. Well, that's what I got for you today, Mike. I love that. That was so good, Ashley. Wow. We started off on a high note with my beautiful niece's story. 
Um, and now we've covered Astoria and the craziness behind that town. And also, if you think about it, like, this is a tiny little town. And think about how much craziness it has going on in it. And like I said, it was just it considered like this drama, party city crazy town. So Party city crazy town. Astoria. Party city crazy town. And now it's just, Astoria. like, cute and stuff. Cutens. Super, super cute. Super cute. <laughs> you can still take um tunnel tours as well so do you have to take a tour though or can you just go down? um i think you might have can to I take a tour because of that'd be amazing but i do think you might just because of some areas are probably pretty dangerous by now yeah probably but i don't know we I'm should look into it falling into a pit and like not Ooh. And like having no flashlight probably hey yeah. you know you know how we talked about not dying, falling through a floor? <laughs> we did talk about that, yeah. I That's still a stance I take. <laughs> okay, we'll <laughs> And honestly, also crossing this bridge is one of the most terrifying experiences as well. Because it is... Yeah, like, like skinny, narrow bridge with yes. like large gaps in it. No, it's a skinny, narrow bridge. Actually, yeah, it actually does have large gaps now that I think about it, but it's a long bridge. Right, it is so really long, long. And, and it is like, so windy, and the yeah. waves get huge around it. See, I think I went over this bridge, and yeah. I was terrified the whole time because oh. like, once you're over it, like you are over it. Like you, there's no going back. Yes, yes. You and have to go the like, long way back home. And then it's just like you're stuck <laughs> up above the Columbia, I think. And yes. it's just, like, the gaps in the bridge, for some reason, like, it just seems like your car is going to fall through them, and it's so terrifying. It is a very a scary bridge. Yeah. I love it so much, but, like, and just the wind alone. It is a wildly windy area. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. There you go. That was a good story. I can't wait to go to Astoria. Me either. Can't All right, well. Me either. I love fish and chips. Bye. Anyway, bye.